Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind to both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. And BizSimply is the all-in-one HR, workforce management, road and operations software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. Great profitability looks and feels like consistency, number one. I often do refer back to the likes of McDonald's and Burger King and those, you know, really high volume restaurants that wherever you are in the world is consistent. That is really, really key to driving a consistent food margin. If you know that you're going to turn, you know, a, a consistent margin, you can plan for the business. You can decide when and how to invest. And that's vitally important. This is Simon Elliott. He is a food profitability expert and the founder of ProfitHound, which helps hospitality businesses unleash their food savings potential. Simon takes us on his incredible journey from being the only boy in home economics at 13 years old to his career in food profit consultancy for more than 25 years and then launching ProfitHound. We also talk about improving profitability does not mean reducing quality. The importance of follow every penny and understand how they're connected with giving your guests more value and also improving in the end your profit and loss statement. We also talk about optimizing menus significantly with small tweaks and how you can boost your revenue easily with some minor minor habit changes in your way you serve your customers. Simon also shares his own learning as an entrepreneur and gives some great example of how we can solve some of the challenges around the staffing crisis in our industry. Before you tune in, please sign up for our weekly newsletter, Maverick Talk, via hospitalitymavericks.com. Here you will find much more insights into what Maverick leaders know and do, and you will never miss an episode. So now, grab your notebook, pen and coffee. There are so many nuggets in this conversation for how you can improve your profitability. Today's conversation, um, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a rare conversation in my life, but unfortunately I haven't been talking so much about it recently here. And as, as, you know, as, as ever important as always in business, we're going to be talking about profit, but we're going to be talking about food profitability. And uh, I'm very excited about that because uh, today's guest, Simon, and I have been talking before this episode, like a couple of times before, and it seems like, you know, it's so relevant to talk about right now when I talk with people that is, you know, an audience of the show, but also people in my network and everybody else in food services that, you know, it's tough times and how do we actually find ways to optimize without, you know in a way, impact the business in a negative way, which is not just about cutting, it's about finding smarter ways. But before I dive into even more about what we're going to talk about, I want you to uh, welcome 
you, Simon, to the show. I'm very excited about the, what we're going to be talking about today and, uh, and the potential impact this is going to have for some people. Yeah, yeah, me too, Michael. It's um, great to be invited. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next 45 minutes or so. Yeah, can, can you give like people a bit more, you know, background on Profit Hound, why you started it? And that's probably also something around your own story, because as founder of a business, there's always your story that impacts a lot about why you do what you do. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, food and hospitality, absolutely, it's in my blood. Um, uh, from from the age of 13 and being the only boy sticking his hand up to go into the home economics classes, um, you know, as a chef at 15, um, at, at 20, I decided I wanted a little bit more and went and did an HND in hotel management and then spent 25 years in um, consultancy, food cost, uh, food profitability, uh, food procurement. And um, yeah, that was the sort of the real bedrock of my career. Um, and then, you know, just sort of the last couple of years, uh, Profit Hound story starts from um, right in the middle of the pandemic, actually. Um, like so many people in hospitality, I was made redundant. Um, and, um, you know, initially thought, yeah, I need to feed my family here. Um, so, so set up in October 20, um, my first client came along with me, which was, which was great. Um, came along from a previous employer, um, picked up a few, um, few pub clients through 2021 as they were coming out of, out of, um, pandemic and reopening, um, had an introduction into a, a really good business called Everard's in Leicester, um, and now work with quite a few of their properties. And um, yeah, most recently started to get a few hotels contact me and um, which has been really good and, and a, a, a large visitor attraction as well. So yeah, I mean, for me, the last two years has been really exciting, um, not only from the point of view of being able to establish the business, but also meeting lots of great new people with, uh, like yourself, Michael, which, you know, to be honest, if I had been employed, maybe I wouldn't have done so. So, you know, it's been uh, it's been a fantastic couple of years, uh, having a bit of fun on social media as well. And um, yeah, so that's that's yeah, profit hound in two years. And what what is it that makes your approach, you know, or your 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 purpose different than than anyone else I could go and ask to help me with find better profitability in my my food? Yeah, well, I think as I've already said, I'm you know absolute passionate hospitality person. Um, I was a chef. I understand the difficulties that uh, that operating a commercial kitchen involves. Um, but you know, probably more than that, um, my purpose and vision for Profit Hound was to really provide hospitality with a fresh new support um, to remove complexity, offer great service. And, and really tangible savings and benefits. And um, I think, you know, continuing on, on that, I think what, what makes Profit Hound stand out from uh, some of those buying groups, which, which uh, I don't particularly want to be associated with, um, because my business is really focused around improving profitability, not just procurement. And that's, that's, that's a real key for me. Um, 
I don't have the, the sort of typical notion of nominated suppliers, and I certainly don't take any payments from any suppliers. So it really is, you know, all about um, my clients' business and, and really supporting them and helping them through, as you said, what's a what's a particularly difficult time. I mean, we've never never seen anything like it, have we, Michael? No, no, no. It's uh, it, and it, it just feels like every every week that goes that it, the uh, the wound gets a bit bit more messy and a bit more deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But with that said, uh, what what did I you know? Because let's let's just scrap that moment about the challenges. What do you, in your view, and and the work you do, what are the biggest challenges you see right now for for food and drinks businesses, and you know, right now and and in the near future, if we focus on that. Yeah, I mean, it's probably easier to say where aren't the challenges. Um, I mean, you know, labour shortages uh, has, has got to be probably the biggest challenge out there because hospitality is so much about people. Um, but, you know, you add on to that the fact that every single cost line in the business is, is increasing. Um, it makes it incredibly challenging. And I think that quarter one... 2023 is going to be really, really tough for a lot of businesses. You know, that first quarter after Christmas is always difficult, but right now it's it's going to prove impossible for some people, isn't it? Let's be honest. Um, I think one of the other challenges that, that I see um, is just trying to avoid that temptation to discount that, that may have been there historically in January, February. Um, and you know, just let's let's get some let's get some volume in, but I think that's that's particularly dangerous at this point. Um, and the last thing that anyone needs to be is a busy fool in hospitality these days. So um, yeah, there's there's an awful lot of challenges out there, Michael, isn't there? Um, but I think uh, I, I would I would point to those. It's really interesting you said with the the discounting because. Uh, we definitely talked about that. Even I think we talked last time we were touching here in the uh, in the in the in the show was when the eat out to help scheme was there. I don't know if that was the right name for it, but it was like the scheme where the government supported operators with, you know, they gave them fifty percent or twenty five percent or whatever of the the bill, and uh, it actually made more harm. And actually, it drove the right kind of business from a profitability point of view. Was the assessment for many, many operators afterward? And the things also comes back to what kind of brand would you like to be, or how would you like to be perceived in your customers' eyes? So if you go into discount party, it also means that there's some places you need to to lack on the experience in a way. And I guess that's the, the the whole strategic positioning is that you might get volume in, but if you don't have the staff to handle that volume that may be even hurt even more long-term than it will help you short-term. Yeah, and I think also um, anyone with with particularly skinny margins, um, you know, going into a, a series of discounting is going to really struggle. And, you know, we've, we've seen some of the high street pub operators, you know, who traditionally have operated on very, very small margins having to, you know, the... the well, the spoons have just sold 10 properties, I think, and put another 10 up for sale. Um, and yeah, so it's uh, it, it's certainly one to be very, very mindful of. Um, and you know what? Um, you know, we, we 
almost certainly are in a recession now. Um, and you know, if if the if the GDP um, drops by five percent, that still means there's ninety five percent of what there was. So you know, for for clever operators, um, good operators. I think there's there's still plenty of, of opportunity. There's still plenty of people in this country with with you know relatively deep pockets, despite everything else. Yeah, and I think it's coming back to uh, what we talked with both Annika recently on the show, and also Michael from from uh, what we talked about exactly about the value you give to people actually, and when they choose to go out, that you are the preferred choice, and how you build build that up, but. If, when you work with operator Simon, what is the typical things you see when you come in and say they say you know we want to work with you Simon, we believe we have some challenges. Uh, what what happens actually when you come in because like what is food profitability and how do you actually approach this and how do we help them solve some of these massive challenges we have just talked about? Yeah, so I mean my approach is is you know typically to um, gather data initially uh, so you know that's going out to to the client suppliers and, and getting spend data for the last couple of months getting some pos sales data um, getting the menus understanding where the client sees themselves positioned in the market and then you know really kind of using all that all that good experience from 25 years in the industry to 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 make some sensible recommendations on on how they can improve profitability i think the the, the biggest challenge for for me is you know the the kind of being seen as as the cost cutter and and it, and it isn't that it isn't that at all it's about being clever um and switching switching some products where you can um but certainly um you know making sure that that the the opportunities are presented in a uh, in, you know in a in a sensible manner um, that that clients can buy into and say you know what actually yeah let's give that a go um, let, let's give it a try and see what our customers think that's that's you know that's all that I can really ask is that you know clients have an open mind to to the suggestions that are made. And what is the typical, like, can you give a couple of examples of projects? You don't have to say specifically what they are, but like, what kind of thing, what was the problem and what did you achieve by working, you know, with the, the, the data and doing very, uh, the process you were putting in place and, and, and where are these businesses now when it comes to those areas of their business? Yeah, so I think at a really good one would be a business called the Tap and Run, uh, which is run by a good, good mate of mine called Harry Gurney, and brilliant business, really superb gastropub in Leicestershire, Notts Borders, but really struggled with the consistency of food margin, and um, you know he had all of the really good. Um, all of the good sort of um, information around visibility of what was happening within his business, but still uh, the profitability was up and down. And um, and so, yeah, he, he, he called me in and um, went through that process. And just to give you some, some examples of, of, you know, where we, where we made some changes was, um, you know, his Sunday lunch was a big, big part of his business. 
um, and, and we identified some significant savings by switching from uh, strip loin of beef to rump of beef, still a prime staking joint, um, and um, but you know 40% cheaper. And looking at taking uh, leg of lamb, we all know uh, lamb has gone through the roof, um, really, really expensive, and moving that to a, a really good free-range pork, which, um, again, cuts the cost significantly. Um, and actually, on, on Sunday as well, he, he, there was four meats involved, which I felt was a little bit excessive. Uh, and so my recommendation there was to, as well as doing those changes that I've just described, was to put a um, a, a platter, uh, a, a kind of premiumization um, dish onto the menu that took a piece of piece of the beef, a piece of the pork, a piece of the chicken, uh, and 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 um, put it at price point above the others. So it not only did it save money, but it drove revenue as well. So you know that's that's some of the um, some of the stuff that that we've done. And what is it like um, typical when you go into a business? Like what does, you know, great profitability in hospitality business feels and looks like? Because I think there's lots of people in, in what I hear sometimes struggle to understand what good profitability look and feels like. And I think like everybody says you need to make a profit. But hackly, what does it look like? How does it feel when you get this right? And I wish that I'd had a pound for every time someone said to me, what's a good GP? What's a good margin? Um, because, you know, it really does depend on, on you know, your your sales mix, your tariffs, your market, your, your everything. Um, so I think in answer to your question, um, what I think great profitability looks and feels like is consistency, number one, and and... I, you know, I, I often do refer back to the likes of McDonald's and and uh, and Burger King and those, you know, really high volume restaurants. That wherever you are in the world, it's consistent, and you know they can nail profitability on the back of that consistency. So, yeah, I think um, that is really really key. Um, to drive in a consistent food margin, you know, if you're in, if you know that you're going to turn, you know, a, a consistent margin, you can plan for the business, um, you can decide when and how to invest. So I think that's vitally important. I think reducing the number of times that you play around with a menu, um, you know, the number of times that perhaps you and I have seen. Um, you know that that the daily change in TDH menu, or the you know the 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 uh, a la carte menu changing every two months. Why? You know um, these days, you know, with with everything that's happening in the world in terms of global warming, uh, the seasons are becoming blurred. You know, I think if you've got a a hotel with a banqueting menu. You want to be thinking about, or even a, a gastro pub with a with a nice dinner menu. You want to be thinking about a spring summer menu and an autumn winter menu, and perhaps dropping something in for Christmas um, as a as a you know a little sort of a little something. But yeah, every time you change the menus, every time you change those dishes, you run the risk of potentially upsetting the profitability. So um, yeah, 
small changes i think would would be um would be my recommendation um and i think also just visibility and um Marge, you know, on margins, on um, on not only food but beverage, and and labour cost as well. And um, Harry, uh, Harry was an absolute stickler, and I could set my watch by um, eight o'clock on Monday morning. He would have sent over what he called the motherboard, um, and yeah, so he was absolutely banging control of that business, um, and and it was you know it was everyone knew it. And every, you know, everyone knew that it was coming, and it was, you know, everyone had visibility, and everyone bought into it, and you know that helped to change mindsets and behaviours. Um, and I think, I think, lastly, I, I think focus and direction is something that our industry sometimes needs to just, you know, be a bit clearer on. You know, the number of conversations I've had with uh, chefs over the years that have like, well, the boss has told me we, we, we're going for we're going for stars and accolades and everything. And then the boss is telling me, no, we're going for profitability. So I think align those two um, messages, keep the focus and direction very, very clear so that everyone within the business understands it. And, you know, they've got an opportunity to, to get off the bus if they want to. You know, if, if, if they actually do want to go for accolades uh, and, and the business doesn't necessarily, then, um, yeah, yeah. There's, there's plenty of homes for people in hospitality, isn't there? It's very interesting what you're saying there because I'm just uh, sitting and smiling because I think the, the, the businesses I've been involved in, uh, McDonald's is one of them, actually are successful of course of those reasons because it's the consistency bit and it's, that you think, oh, McDonald's always has something new on. Actually, the 90% of that menu have never changed. Then there's just the, the 10% they use for what I call brand awareness, marketing. And they are often primary, pre premium offers. They are products you really make some great GP on uh, because you have to put in the trouble of making them and you need to involve the staff in that. And actually more you need to new things you have to put on your staff, especially in these times, the harder it gets. So actually less is more and 1% every day is really important when it comes back to your habit bit as well. Like how do we become master in serving this dish? How can we just make it 1% better? And that goes from profitability to speed, to heat, to taste. And I think that's some of the things we need to get back in because actually the customer really wants that as well. If I often, I take myself, I have some specific restaurants here in Brighton I go to, and I order the same dish every time because that's the dish that makes me feel happy and satisfied and nurtured when I eat it. And because they are delivering it every time, spot on. Um, so I think it's really interesting what you're saying. I think, I think we, we think we need to go and change like radical things. And also the alignment within the team, Simon, that's really, really interesting. I had a conversation the other day like, uh, that's actually what we need to put, spend time on because actually if you do the things you said, the 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 1%, you know, get better at things, slow down, do less things, do them better, uh, focusing on making sure that you make money on the things you do, actually then the, the awards comes in some kind of way, either results or 
actually you get noticed because you are a well-run business. What is um, what is the best of the best doing right now, Simon? Like to improve profitability. When you look around in the landscape, you you just said that you know consistency. But what are they like? Are there anything they're doing right now compared to the pressures that is we know right now? Energy cost, you know, food inflation, labor. What what have you seen? Really, some of the smartest operators are doing. Yeah, I think it's it's really is at this stage. It is absolutely about keeping things simple, um, and I think we saw as hospitality emerged from the pandemic that menus were much smaller um, and much more focused, and you know clear about what their offer was, and they weren't they weren't offering that that tight chicken curry and the and the lasagna and the fish and chips and everything else. It was it was. A much more focused approach, um, and you know that's still that for me that still rings true. Um, reducing the number of products that you hold within a business is is key, and that goes back to the McDonald's point where you know you can take a product and and make several dishes from it, um, and that's that's really key, and. Um, and also just just taking taking some of those menus that periodically you might have wanted to have had you know lots and lots of menus but just take a really good hard look at whether you actually need them um i've seen some hotels that have just done away with lunch and you know just afternoon tea from 12 till 5 because it's really profitable and much easier to just do that one service than go from lunch into afternoon tea. So yeah, I think that's that's the key for me would be to keep things simple. Um, and again, just going back to that, the, the visibility and focus and direction on, on where they're going. I think that that's that's the key for me. So before Simon, you also mentioned, I think I just want to loop back and pick up something when you said in conversation that, you know, you know, what, like, you know, improving profitability doesn't mean that you need to cut costs. No, 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 definitely not. Um, you know, and that, that, that is a, that is a perception that, you know, I'm always up against and always fight back hard against it as well. And it's a, it's a myth that I really want to bust. Um, just to give you an example um, of how how we can improve profitability, um, you know, just buying products that are available from multiple sources at the best price. Um, what what you know, we had a move towards it before the pandemic, but very definitely a move now. So you know, lots of suppliers carry um, ranges that cross over. So you can buy butter and cheese and bacon and, and all that stuff that's you know, typically high value lines from loads and loads of suppliers and typically it's the same product. Um, so, you know, you can often make 20% saving by switching from one supplier to another for your bacon. So, and and I, and you know, that's a, a, a micro level, but, you know, having the information is one of the, the other points that, that I see. People just don't, you know, they don't, they don't hold their suppliers' price files, um, so you know that's 
you know, how are you going to know that unless you start to, to delve into some of the detail? Um, and a big one um, that's going to help profitability is driving revenue, um, you know, maximizing your revenue. So, you know, that's all around tariffs. And, you know, obviously the, the household budgets, everyone's budget squeezed at the moment. And, and, and I do have conversations with people about being mindful about, not pushing that barrier above, you know, 15 pounds, 16 pounds, whatever it is for, you know, the burger, the fish and chips, the whatever it might be. But, you know, if, if uh, you know, if you need to charge um, 17 pound 50 to make your desired margin on that dish, then you need to charge it or you need to engineer that dish so that you can keep it below the price point that, it's, that, that you believe is acceptable to your market. Um, and I think, you know, upselling is, you know, upselling is not, you know, getting in people's face and do you want this? Do you want that? Do you want the other? It's about really good service and pairing, um, upsell items to dishes that the guest has chosen. Um, and also just the basics of, of just making sure that you charge correctly. I mean, you know, I'm sure that you've been to a, a, a restaurant before now where they've missed the round of coffees or they've missed that second bottle of wine. So, you know, please just make sure that you've got good systems in place to capture all of that hard-earned revenue. Now, I think moving on um, to menu engineering and consolidation, which, which yes, I've mentioned um, I know, uh, but I will keep mentioning it. Um, keep the good dishes and bin the bad ones. Um, you know, that's that's a way to improve your profitability. And when I say good, I mean good profitability and good, uh, good sales, good popularity. Um, so, uh, you know, the old, um, the old menu engineering star dog, plow and horse comes into play there. And I agree with you, Simon, because it's right, quite interesting. That's like people I would look at when I go out because I'm uh, also I don't say anything, but I'm analyzing the place and I always, you know, look at the menu and I look at many menus and I just think you can't make profit on that, 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 that. It's just no reason for having that because that's not what you're about. And then if you really ask that when you ask people say, you know, people want the choice and actually it's they don't and we all know it because we just want less but better in general everywhere um, and you know when you go way back again coming back to the mcdonald's example when mcdonald's started out they had one burger one fries one drink those milkshake you know that was it yeah and and they did all right didn't they you know they tweaked it as they've been able to and i you know i often think I go into a client who's got you know real real problem with profitability it's up and down all over the place the first thing to do is probably just to take some of that complexity away. Um, you know, let's let's reduce, let's let's get the 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 pause data. Let's trim off anything that is you know really bad seller because it doesn't need to be there. Um, it's probably going to contribute to wastage. Um, and let let's as a first step, let's just take the menu down a notch. Um, and and then and then run that through for a few weeks and see you know what improvement that makes and then we can start to look at phase two. Is there like some basic things like rules you set for yourself when you look at a menu saying that these are dishes that should 
disappearing when you looked at apostata. It's like, is there like a percentage of sale? Something like where it's so obvious they are in red. They just need to go now. Yeah, I think, you know, anything in single single figures. Um, I mean, it depends how big the menu is, doesn't it? But yeah, if you've got if you've got dishes that are selling four, five, six percent of the uh, of the of the menu content, um, you know, have a good long look at them. Um, and you know, sometimes sometimes you see you know silly things like two or three vegan dishes on a menu that that you know we spoke earlier about um, perhaps having a uh, a combination approach where you can build more dishes from. Um, you know, a few items that you make combinations with. And then you get that crossover effect and people feel involved in, in, in choosing their own meal, which also I've seen some very, some very operator really smartly had done with lunch um, here in Brighton, where they actually say there's this option. You can see the backbone of this is the same core dish, but actually as you build, you feel you make your own dish and they can actually still have three different dishes. They all taste delicious, but you can just tweak them as you want and thereby you create this personal personalization experience on top of that, even though you're in totally control of that menu and you know your cost will never go out of that. Yeah, that sounds sounds good. Um what is uh what has been your you know, you launched the business within the last two years, Simon, and you're you're working with all these clients in this horrific environment of pressures of you know staff cost uh what else is coming uh towards us uh customers don't have the same money to spend but what has been your most significant learning in in doing all this yeah i think i mean um learning about just setting up a business um has been you know it's been a fabulous experience you know from uh dealing with um companies house to Getting a, a website built and uh, recruiting accountants, and you're you're, you're nodding at me, uh, so I know you've been through that too. Um, and I, th I think I said at the start, you know, growing um, a, a network. So I've um, you know grown my LinkedIn followers significantly, um, and just had a had the freedom to you know just put some put some stuff out there on on social media. That just stirs things up a little bit um, and drives some interest. So, you know, that's been that's been uh, really significant learning for me over the last two years, and something that you know, frankly, I, I wouldn't have had to have engaged with had I remained employed. So, I'm, I'm grateful for that. It's been it's been fabulous. And it's funny uh, how you then start to understand your previous employers challenges sometimes especially if it's a smaller founder-led business you start to understand wow and they had responsibility for 250 employees or whatever it is even though if you're a small business you you understand the pressures of sales and profitability and cash flow well yeah and that's the best the best 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 way to learn it yeah, is with your yeah, own money my dad always said so um what is um what is like we talked a bit about the challenges in the industry and, and the pressures. We don't have to come back to them, but well, others like you. You were a bit positive. You said there is opportunities in this, but what is like your prediction, Simon? Like when you work next to the operators all the time, what are you hearing about? How do they see the future? What is how it's going to look? You know, in twenty three, twenty four. You know, if we go a bit 
out in time. Yeah, I think that um, I think that you know those those good those good hospitality businesses will will continue to to find a way to evolve, and I think that you know that the pandemic taught us how to um, how to do that, didn't it? Um, and but you know, there's undoubtedly going to be some casualties um, at the start of next year. But I'm I'm ever optimistic. I think really, um, and yes, it's gonna it's gonna continue to to evolve and, and do good things. Um, probably just in a in a slightly different shape. I think that's um, that's the thing for me. Um, and I, I think. Probably, you know, we talked about the pressing issues in the industry, um, and and how you know how can we solve this? Um, you know, labour is obviously a, a, a massive issue, um, and I think you know the the industry as a whole has got a responsibility to change a, a perception that you know hospitality is perhaps a bad choice because you and I know it isn't. Um, you know, it's it's really fun. Uh, you get the opportunity to travel, to be creative, uh, and rapid career progression as well. And um, I know Hospitality Rising are doing a great job of trying to, you know, put a, a really positive spin on the on the PR for for our industry. But I think I think employers very definitely have got to take a play their part in in that whole. Um, piece of developing and rewarding teams um, and there's been some really good examples recently I'm sure you've seen you know Pratt have just done the second round of in-year pay reviews two years in a row so their teams have had four pay rises in the last two years and picked hotels have just you know done uh, a pay review for everybody three pounds an hour for every single employee which you know is a pretty big statement to make um, I think yeah. What I would say um, on top of that is that you know all of that does need um, it needs fueling with profitability, um, and so you know that's where the likes of myself come in to to you know really try and help support that that conversation and that narrative around what what they're doing. Um, I think. I think the other thing about the hospitality industry is obviously it needs to be it needs to be seen as a, a decent career, and um, I think you know schools can play their part in that, um, and perhaps not funnel people into universities so much, and and you know because we we're always going to need people in hospitality, and it, and it is a great career choice. So yeah, I think that's uh, that's what we need to do. It's quite interesting said about profitability because actually I uh, had a guest on the podcast was like even before the pandemic. Uh, Ivan Brewer from Australia, uh, founder of Persio, uh, which is a profitability platform. Uh, funny enough, he said like the day we crack that we understand that every unit in hospitality needs to create profitability, then we will get the respect from the outside because profitable businesses get respect. So. Southwest Airline is a low-budget airline, he said, but they make profitable and make a return to their shareholders every day, and they have happy employees because they don't have to worry about if we can pay the bills. And they 
they they just become better and better every day but that's because that core focus isn't the culture on profitability profitability is not seen as a negative thing and it was quite interesting one of the things i have noticed a lot is that profitability often seen as a negative thing but that's because you don't know how to make it thereby it becomes negative then you're against it instead of with it and therefore your job is to learn to make it and you're never done learning how to run a profitable business because the market changes all the time the demands so actually it's about that really really focusing on how do we actually create every business to be profitable because then it's going to be fun to be employed in it because you can get a decent salary you can actually see that what you do has an impact because you can follow through on it and I think that's why profitability is important. It's not just for the owners and the shareholders exactly. It will lift the whole industry. And that's maybe the opportunity we have as well to reconsider how we run hospitality so we can actually make both profitable and attractive for people to join. Absolutely. So that's, uh, that sounds like a very good plan, Michael. Um, so that's so, so that's, that's more important that you know you are around then, Simon. Because but then but then how do you? Because you said you started the business is tough, you know, and often like what people like to hear in the show is that what actually how do you know you keep yourself pro? I call as well. How do you make sure that you can, you know, when you go out and meet client every day, you are the best version of yourself you can be. Yeah, that's a really good question, um, and I I always I always think about looking out for what I can do to help other people. So, you know, that's my clients, um, but it's also the suppliers that I work with, the connections that I make. Um, and, you know, it's just, it, I guess, in part, it's a, a bit of the hospitality person in me. Um, but yeah, I just wanna, I just, I wanna serve the people that I work with and, um, I think kindness and thought uh, can have an incredible return on investment. Um, what goes around comes around is certainly my mantra. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I always strive to be the best that I can to go the extra mile, um, give great communication um, and look out for others. That's, uh, that's, that's my ideas. And I love actually it's being in service to other that actually makes you be in the right state and gives you the energy it's not like a specific hack it's not like you you didn't talk lots of people talk everybody has different ways but like lots of people talk about meditation which is also a great way but actually giving is actually what that that, that gives you back so i love that i don't get up at 5 a.m and do three hours of hot yoga um i just i just want to serve my clients and uh, and my professional network as, as well as i possibly can is there any any last advice, like your top advice you would like to leave leaders with out here that is running businesses to last because they're not running these businesses to collapse in this inferno of challenges we're in? Well, I mean, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that there's probably, um, you know, uh, bigger, better business leaders out there. But for me, I mean, I think, you know, humility... Um, honesty and professionalism will will take you um a good a good way on the journey um you know just just sticking on that honesty point really you know if if i come across a client that i think you know what i can't i can't help i can't help you for whatever reason um i'll tell them 
um, because I don't want to waste anybody's time. Um, and actually, I did do that about um, six months ago. And, and you know, the, the, the guy was really, really taken aback initially, but really thanked me for my honesty. And actually, he's introduced me to somebody else who I have been able to help. So, um, yeah, I think honesty has got to be right up there um, for me as, uh, as the key to, to good leadership. Yeah, and also I guess that when you're honest with yourself and others, it comes back again uh, to you in some kind of way, if you call that profitability. You you win somewhere because people find out that, that that's your behavior and that's what you do. Really, really, really good advice. And actually Tom Barton from Honest Burgers on the show, he's talked about the uh, the importance of that they have to live all up to the word honest over the door in everything they do actually make sure they make better decision but it's tough sometimes because you are dealing what the right solution is and how you get there sometimes and the challenges around that and all the dilemmas it 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 presents you with being honest but equally it's it's an easier route to take you know because if you're if you're honest uh, you haven't got to remember all those little uh <laughs> all those little half truths you told six months ago you 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 live and die by by the honesty. So, yeah, yeah and it, and it burns you out as well. Yeah. That's a yeah, that's more yeah. white lies. So, is there is there here on the the last couple of question here? One I always ask people: Is there one question you you wished I asked you, and what would that question be, and what would you have answered? Uh, re- another really good question. Um, I think it would have been um, what was my most my most memorable hospitality experience and uh and i have been very very lucky over the years to have uh to gone to some incredible businesses and and eaten at some um some great restaurants so dinner by heston was um fantastic um i i was with great company that day um my old md uh took me for lunch there um Hand and Flowers was amazing, and I still I still talk about the dessert that I was served there, which was a creme brulee, and I can picture it now. Um, and it, it was literally just a bowl of creme brulee. Uh, there was no liner plate, there was no biscuit, there was no garnish, no nothing, just a lovely big bowl of creme brulee and a shot of beer. Um, amazing. Um, I think probably um, the the um, the experience that sticks longest in my mind is being invited to a banquet at the Savoy. I don't know if you've ever ever been, Michael, but um, this was back in the in the nineties, and it's just you know uh, I was a lot younger then, um, and uh, hadn't been to any of those kind of big West End five stars, and just the whole experience of the white gloved waiters all coming out in unison. Um, and just perfectly executed food. You know, there was 200 people, but, you know, my chicken was absolutely cooked to the point of perfection. Um, And then at the end of the meal, I remember it still very vividly, um, little miniature chalk ices coming out on a a silver tray with with, um, dry ice um, and, you know, billowing out from all all the serving staff. So, yeah, lots of great memories. Um, 
but yeah, that, that's that's one for for next time, Michael. It was really interesting coming back to we talked about how we make the industry attractive, and actually we forget about the the training and the focus. It's almost like elite soldiers, athletes that you have to do that kind of level of training you need to do to be able to do a service like that. And I think that's some of the things we need to get back to hospitality. And I know we cannot all serve like to do at the Savoy, but is that like these standards of, you know, the I call also Michael Jordan standard, you know, you're only in competition with yourself and you can only get better every day. And and you set the standard. And equally, I'm sure we've, we've all had great experience, uh, you know, some of the you know, some of the high street operators. I mean, me personally, you know, we, we're uh, very lucky. We've got a Wagamama's in, in Lamington. That's that's our go-to because the, the, the service is just superb there. And it's uber consistent, you know. Um, you know what you're going to get. You know you're going to be served fantastically well. Um, so, yeah, yeah. A great little shout out there to um, to Wagamama in, in Lamington and, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, good. Is uh, is people think you know? I want to know more about what uh, Simon do and know. Uh, where would they go and find you? Where's the best place to you know reach out to you, connect with you, learn more? So um, LinkedIn is my um, main focus. Um, all my contact details are on there. Um, yeah, come and say hi. Uh, drop me an email, Simon at profithounds.co.uk. Great, great, great. Thank you so much for um, coming to the show, Simon, and uh, giving all this incredible, valuable insights about how you can actually boost your food profitability, but also your revenue. Thank you, Michael. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate that you're listening in. So, if you enjoyed today's conversation, please share with others, rate, or give a review, or subscribe to one of our channels. Which all can be done via the website, hospitalitymavericks.com. I believe that reading the right books is the key to become a better leader. So I've helped you with a curated list of some of the best books to improve yourself, others, and the organization. Find them on hospitalitymavericks.com. A big thank you to Biz Simply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help leaders to become better every day. Check them out at bizsimply.com or on their socials at bizsimply or bizsimplyhq. You can also email them directly at podcast at bizsimply.com. Thank you to Fina Charlson, who is the show producer from the podcast Collective. If you have any ideas and feedback for the show or other thoughts, reach out to me via LinkedIn or via my email, michael at hospitalitymavericks.com. I'm Michael Tinkser, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick podcast show. Be maverick.